Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. Today on the show is Rich Wilkes. Rich is a screenwriter who's written the films Airheads, The Jerky Boys, Triple X, and recently the Motley Crue biopic The Dirt. Rich is also the singer of a mariachi-themed punk band called Carne Asada. Check out the documentary Punk Like Me on Amazon Prime, which follows Carne Asada as they sneak onto Warp Tour. A couple quick things before we jump into the episode. I've talked in the past about myself working on breaking into screenwriting. Please check out blackoilfilms.com screenwriting. There you can check out some of the screenplays I've written. I have the first 10 pages of each one uploaded, but feel free to email me at theartistsworkethicpodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to send you a full script if you're interested in reading. The script I want to highlight today is an original one-hour pilot called Top of the Hill. Top of the Hill is about an up-and-coming congressman who discovers his car covered in blood with no recollection of the night before. Now he must unravel what happened, all while navigating a campaign, a divorce, a traitor, and alcoholism. Last thing before we get into the episode, I would love anyone listening to subscribe, rate, and review the Artist's Work Ethic podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us put the show out there for more people to listen to. All right, Rich, thank you for coming on with me today. Hey, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we both have punk rock roots, and I'm guessing we both have a DIY ethic instilled in us. How has this contributed to your work ethic? You know, if you grew up when I did, it was in the in the glory days of scenes, you know, where uh, you would have to self-publish. You'd actually have to find uh, a printer who would pr- print up your, your thing, and then you'd put them in the back of the pickup truck, and you'd drive them to record stores, and you'd drive them to wherever, and you'd have to cold call record companies and try to get uh, an artist's phone number and do all of this kind of stuff. So if you wanted to be involved at all back then, it took a lot of effort and that sort of led you to, okay, well, if I want to get to talk to Jello Biafra or interview Keith Morris or the dead milkman or what have you, I got to put in the effort. And if I do, then I can get access to them. I don't know how hard it is nowadays. I haven't tried it in forever. Maybe it's easier, maybe it's harder, but I, I think that Definitely, definitely makes you self-motivated. Speaking for myself, you know, aside from my writing, I definitely took that DIY, you know, mindset. And that's how I made this podcast was I basically said, I'm looking for this thing that I want to listen to. I can't find it. And rather than just wish I had it, I decided I was just going to do it myself and, and just go make it. Right. Yeah. I think that's great. My friend started with a microphone in his laundry room or whatever, and he's got uh, he's been doing it for like six years now and hundreds of podcasts. You know, it's awesome. The more you got John August, I listened to that one. That was a great one. And now you have him on your on your your CV and other people go, oh, shit, John August, I better go on there. Something's happening. Um, so you do a lot of writing today. How are you structuring your day to day to stay as productive as possible? I listened to the John August podcast and he is a very organized guy. And it sounds like you are as well. I am not that 
well organized. I just I'm at my desk from, you know, eight in the morning until six at night with a lot of procrastination in between. But I just sort of thump away at it. I don't have, John had mentioned something about having a 60 minute increment of writing on a particular thing and then switching to something else. That's too much multitasking for me. Some people have a lot of things going on, you know, that they're running multiple businesses or they're running multiple TV shows. I don't know how a guy like Greg Berlanti keeps everything straight in his head, but that's just, that's just not for me. Uh, I'm more of a one or two things at a time. Well, that's, that's not really true. I have to have upwards of 16 things at a time that I'm trying to move forward, whether it's a pitch, an idea, a screenplay, an outline, what have you. Right now I have it pared down, but it does get that big and you're forced to do it just to try to make a living. I try to do as little as possible because I find I'm most productive if I do a maximum of three hours writing in a day. And then the rest of the time is just nonsense where I'm trying to squeeze out another half a page and it's a waste. It'd be much better for me to write for three hours and then play video games in the afternoon, cook dinner, hit it the next day. But because of financial pressures, it's not always possible to do it my way. So a common theme on this show to this point is that often the people who end up with some success are the ones who have done the things that some other, you know, a lot of other people won't do kind of just like a general going above and beyond. How do you think you've done that in your career? I don't know that I particularly have. I I have tried to be very interactive with people. So if I'm working for a studio, if I'm working for a producer or whoever, whoever I'm working with, I try to to listen to everything that they say and be collaborative. Because if they're going to lay down the money or if they're going to put their reputation on the line or whatever, I want them to feel part ownership of it. The problem is you get a little too much into that headspace and you wind up muddying up what it is you're trying to do. So on the one hand, they're wanting you to give your particular twist on a on a screenplay or whatever. And if you water it down too much with what everybody else says, then it loses its uniqueness and it winds up being a little more uh, generic. And I realize I'm talking about, you know, a very privileged position of working for studios and whatnot doesn't really apply to uh, to, to people that are at home working on their first screenplays. But uh, that seems to be one of the things that you need to do. Just don't be precious about your stuff. Don't have an ego about it and cooperate as much as possible. I think even from a, a amateur writer perspective, I mean, you could take that as being just generally being open to feedback. You know, you don't have to lay down and, and completely rewrite a script because some random person thinks you should, but, but just generally being open to collaborate and being open to feedback and just other ideas besides what you think is the best all the time. Yeah. The other thing is that, that I've had a lot of success in a lot of years in the business because I get along well with people and I'm a good collaborator. And one of the reasons why is that I don't kiss everybody's ass and tell them that what they do is great. I'm very objective and I really don't give a shit whoever I'm meeting. If I'm, if I was meeting tomorrow with Martin Scorsese, I would be fine. I wouldn't be nervous. I wouldn't fanboy over him because I've lived my entire life without Martin Scorsese helping me. If I go to this meeting and he shits on me, who cares? Whatever. I'm not going to go over there and, and suck his dick to try to be his buddy because that's not going to happen. And it's going to make my pitch terrible because I'm trying to impress some movie god. Yes, I am impressed by him, and I'm not going to let him know that. And I'm not going to act like that when I when I work with the guy. 
you know, so I went to, I was working with Dr. Dre to, to drop a name. He was working on a project. I came in and I, he said, well, what do you think we should do? And I said, I think you should throw it away. And we start over me and you from scratch. And he was like, holy shit, that's the balls of you to come in and say that. I happen to believe it. And I wanted to make this impression. Like you can say no to me and I'll walk away, but I'm going in there bold and I'm going to say what I really think and take it or leave it. So I, I do think that you get a better reaction by being yourself and being honest. And, you know, you're kind, you're not being an a-hole about it, but you're being true to yourself and, and not being subservient because they don't want somebody to, to take dictation. They want somebody who's creative and has a brain. In your career, how have you... What's your strategy been or your perspective to stay persistent when things aren't always going your way or or just, you know, working out perfectly? For me, the 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 fun has been to switch through different art forms. So I, I played in a band sometimes and I went on the warp tour and I made a documentary about going on the warp tour. I wrote a graphic novel. Uh, I started doing stand-up comedy. Anytime there's a slowdown in my primary thing, which is writing, I'll try something else. I went to cooking school, I'll, you know, whatever, just to, to, to keep myself happy and interested. Uh, and I think that's important. You're flexing different muscles. You're getting more life experience. And now I can write a script about, uh, you know, uh, a chef and know what the hell I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, spreading yourself out and trying different things is, is always a good time. So aside from your your collaboration and your openness, what in your work ethic do you think has made you so productive and contributed to the success that you've had? Here's the fact. I, I, I had interviewed a, a professor of mine in college, and I, I, I was thinking about being a novelist. And so I asked him, well, what do you think about trying to get into the business of writing books today? And he said, look, those that are driven to write will write, and those who are not driven to write should probably leave it alone. And that's basically it. Whether I was, you know, I used to be a shipping clerk, I used to be a security guard, I used to be a bar back and a waiter, and I was writing the whole time. I would be doing it anyway. I was doing it in zines. I was doing band interviews for newspapers. It would be happening one way or another, whether I got paid for it or not. So I don't consider it much of a work ethic because it's what I enjoy and it's what I'm passionate about and it comes natural. Awesome. Anything that you want to plug or talk about before we go? You know, I have a documentary uh, about my band on the Warp Tour called Punk Like Me. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. And it's about uh, I lied my way onto the Warp Tour at the age of like 37. I pretended to be a writer for Rolling Stone magazine. They allowed me on the Warp Tour uh, the gimmick was I was going to write from the perspective of a band on the road, not a journalist. So I made up this fake band called Carne Asada, which is a punk rock mariachi band. I was the lead singer. My wife came along, my daughter, my in-laws. It was like a crazy collision of your teenage fantasies combined with all of the shitty responsibilities of being an adult in the world of punk rock. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's awesome. So check it out. Awesome. Thank you, Rich, for coming on with me today. All right. Take it easy, Mike. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at The Artist's Work Ethic, and check out theartistsworkethic.com.